Welcome to Biggest Geekus. We are your hosts. I am Joe. And I'm Randy. This is episode 84 of our show, and the date is April 19th, 2022. Show. Show. Did you notice? Yes, yes. We had that last time, and I didn't say Well, you know, you didn't want the old podcast. We felt a little limited, so I brought the show. No limits. This is a no limits show. You got some sweet dudes in the house, Darth Shadow. Let's what's up, Patrick? What yeah, welcome everyone who's here, and come on in to the folks who aren't here and can't hear me. So, join why did I even say that? Yes, send out the join us vibes. One of us. Yeah, sweet. So, um, what is new? What is new is. Essentially, six days of school, and Randy's on break, but I am teaching a spring. Of course you are. Because I like money, but I have a week off, and after that, when the week spring starts, the end of that week is cabin con, so I get my students acclimated to everything and then leave them in the lurch. <laughs> well, they are adults. They should be able to handle it. They'll be fine. What's calc two of my friends? So, but yeah, so uh, we didn't get to play this past weekend because of Easter, but I did go over to Patrick's and we hung out and uh, Joseph couldn't make it, but we, uh, they started a game called Dark Tower. That's a, that's a remake. Sound like they had a good time. I didn't stay for that whole game. They only have four players. So I about, I let everybody else play, kind of watched them. It's pretty cool looking. I like it. like the looks of the board game. Yes. What besides, uh, Easter stuff that weekend. Anything exciting early this week? Well, we got a new vehicle. Mm-hmm. We got a 2012 Ford Escape, our the uh, Impala. One of the uh, one of the the springs gave out oh. on the uh, the coil, the uh, strut coil, whatever it's called. There's a coil. Oh. On the the back tires, there's a coil and a and a shock absorber. Yeah, and the coil collapsed. Oh, and rubbed out the just the inner edge of the tire, but just enough to where it started smoking. We couldn't drive it anymore. We had to put on the donut, and we drove it like that for several days. Uh, we were going to get it fixed, and then decided it was going to just too much there was already a, a several minor things wrong with it this was just this is pretty much just the the straw that broke the camel's back and we yeah. went and got a uh, a car with a payment Boo. that but hey it is, is what that, it is that coil connected to a strut you said yeah it's the uh, i can't remember what there's probably a uh particular name for the the coil the spring right. that that uh that uh some there's a, a little a metal bar that mm-hmm. holds it up, and the little uh, there's a bushing, not a bushing, where it's attached. Mm-hmm. It popped loose, and it, the the bar didn't just flop off. It has two attachment points. The lower attachment point came loose, and then that made the spring come down on the tire. And you've had a variety. I don't now. Joseph has had a variety of used cars through his life. I'm not sure you've ever bought a new car. You may have once. I've never bought a new car. Never bought a new car. But struts have been a thing 
haven't they for you? Have that you? Are you the one who's had a lot of issues with struts over there? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, okay. I was thinking of somebody else. So, no. anything gaming wise? No, no, nothing new on that front. Okay, all right. I am um, noting some ideas of mine for lore and rules to be. Uh, uh, we can talk about um, later on for for our system of that we've kind of shelved at the moment. I wouldn't call it shelved. I'm still thinking and writing things down. We just need to get together. Patrick says 734. Joe, our van died so that yours might live. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, sweet. Thanks, Patrick. Sacrifice amongst friends. You got to like that. Oh, so any call-ins or emails for our sales? Nope. None of that. What are we doing wrong? Nothing. We have folks here talking to us. I know that is cool. Hey, Martinson, what's up, man? <laughs> so, Patrick, your van, your your van you just recently uh, had, where you had two vehicles? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. There was an accident. That's right. Trashitude, man. Yeah. Well, you get some money from the insurance company. So. Yeah. No matter how slow it might take. It might I take mean, uh, I had a, a vehicle, a really crappy car. I was driving to my first um, assignment when I was uh, for the post office in Davison. So it was a pretty decent, uh, uh, almost an hour to get there from here. And I hit a deer on the way there and the, um, the airbags deployed. So that trashed the vehicle. That's, that's um, my wife was like, why, why is it if the airbags deploy the car, your car is totaled? I'm not exactly sure. It's probably an insurance scam of some sort because you can get, you can get the, you know, you, you should be able to just stick new ones in there, but no. no. Oh, Darth has uh, sent us a lovely message. Read Darth is at seven thirty six. Darth says, Darth Thick, we don't bother to call in or email. We just tell you you're wrong during the show. Yeah, that's what you should do. Well, that's perfect, man. Yeah, nothing yeah. Like, nothing like a just in time criticism. I, I like that. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks, Darth. <laughs> oh. Okay. What's oh. Insurance companies. The most you're going to get is three. We got, I think we got more like five. That was a few years ago. Yeah. I try to, uh, I don't know. I tend was, to. Well, we've had the uh, Impala for 10 years. Yep. And, uh, probably 10, maybe a little bit more. And that's when that car died out. And I'm pretty sure we got like five grand. That's why we could uh, get the Impala. That's cool. We got our 2006 RAV4 in 2006, and it's still going. So not bad. Well, that's that's the Impala that was was an 06. That's pretty sweet. Must have been a good year. Good year for cars. (laughs) Well, almost made 20. Hey, can't be that with a stick. It, it, it was starting to get the in the here in the uh, in the uh, upper uh, the north the northeast of the country. Yeah, there is a rot that all most cars get mm-hmm. along the bottom uh, edge of the where the doors the, that um, that little bit of metal that's beneath the, where the door you know your door in the very bottom that you see it on a lot of cars. It's all it all they all rot yeah. out. I don't think we're. I don't think we're in the Northeast. I think we're considered the north part of the Midwest, though. Oh well, 
close enough. Close enough. And there's, you know, we have snow and salt, road salt, all that stuff. And, uh, and, uh, this vehicle has a, um, pretty th- thick rubber, uh, trim on the bottom. Yeah. So it's, it, that should protect that part of the car from that rot. Upper Midwest is what Morton should call. It's it's not just rust. Yes, because you know car uh, places other places that you don't have to worry about having the, the snow and the road salt. They don't have the same problem we do. Hey, Baron. Baron in the house. Well, I guess this car, I'm sure this car talk is very riveting to everyone. I yeah. know it's not to me. So we have a new car. Good, good. I'm happy. Well, SUV. SUV. Duncan Bradley. What's up? Duncan. All right. So, um. Duncan Bradley of the. Of the Bradleys. Of the Bradleys. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to make a stupid movie reference. Yes. All right. All right. We got a crowd now. Let's get to it, baby. Yes. We're almost double digits here. All right. Um, today's episode or episode is about stats. And, um, we have a video that we're going to reference um, here about uh, an interesting ability score generation method for D and D. Do we want to? It's not a very long video, but do we just want to let people know the link and then we talk about it, or do you want to? Yeah, why don't we do that? It's by Captain. If you guys know Captain Courageous uh, on YouTube's, um, I think it's C A P T. C-O-R-A-J-U-S, a pretty good little site. He's kind of an OSR, everything kind of guy. Um, uh, yeah, Baron's reminded us to do the like and sub stuff. Um, oh, sure, sure, sure. That's my job. Subscribe. He took it. He hey, took it. He's subscribe. Subscribe. Thanks for the help. We appreciate it. Yes. But anyway, this guy had a very interesting, I thought, I don't think it's new because Matt, uh, is it Matt Craft or Crafty? Uh, who shows up a lot on um, Friday night. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he he, he mentioned it, and I guess it's, maybe he saw the video, maybe he knows it. Anyway, the way this guy does this, he takes 24 six-sided dice, and this is for mostly OSR games, and he rolls them all. At the same time. Yep. Same time. And you drop, I'm trying to remember, did he drop the lowest three and the highest three or the lowest four and the highest two? Lowest four, highest two. Yeah, just he, he rolls them all, uses a cup, you know, yep. a dice rolling cup and all a ones. dice rolling tray so you, they don't, you know, go everywhere. Yeah, I would say watch the video. It's pretty cool. But then, so you you lose you lose six dice from the 24. That leaves you 18. And so you do three each for each stat. Six stats, three times six is 18. And you put them in order. So, you know, you put like start with all the highest. So you might go. Six six five, and then five five four, and you work all the way down to the lowest, and it seems like you get a pretty interesting character. That I think you'd be hard pressed to say you get an unplayable character, though you still might get a character with a single digit stat. Yeah, because he did in the example he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, I was. It was interesting. I wasn't sure that that was really part of the method or or what. Where you get you grouped all you grouped all the dice in threes, and you. He went from the lowest up. Yes. But highest down is still. Yeah, yeah either way. You just, you if you get three way. sixes, those three sixes go together. If you get three sixes and a five, or two sixes and a five is your three highest, those mm-hmm. go together. Yep. And you group them all highest, lowest by three. And yeah. I didn't, I probably should have done the math on it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a, it's definitely skews higher 
I'd be willing to bet it skews higher on stats than just 3d6 down the line, and mm-hmm. maybe even more than 46 drop the lowest. But um, well, 46 drop the lowest was method one. Yes, was it? Uh, yeah. Not method. originally. Well, it was AD and D. AD and D. Yes, it was method one. Um, and Gygax did kind of prefer slightly higher stats. He made a comment somewhere in one e that. He, and, I, and this is in the articles by Greg Nardi we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, where he said uh, you should, uh, if you play a character, they should have at least two 15s or higher. <laughs> That's interesting, but we'll get to that. So I think this method of rolling is interesting and fun. I like the fun aspect of it. I would absolutely do it at my table. If players wanted to do it, that'd be completely fine. That could be fun. Yeah, that could be. And it's, uh, it doesn't, well, see, I don't like, I don't like stat arrays. I don't like point buys anymore. I used to yeah, because I felt that they were, after having rolled lots of crappy characters, Right. I felt that point buys could be a way to get out of um, having crappy characters just because you rolled crappy. Um, not having looked really closely at the methods already given, but uh, just if, if we had just used the method one from AD and D, then it would have been fine with that. 46 drop lowest. Um, um, but after using that for so long, it seems like there's not a lot of variability. There's, I've mentioned it before. There's issues that I don't like. Ability and character, especially during the third edition era. That was, where, where are you going to put your 12? Yeah. Where are you going to put your 16? Yep. You know, blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's kind of, mm-hmm. it's weird. And, you know, some people like that. It's no big deal. It's just, uh, uh, it's my preference. It's preferences. Yeah. Anyway, so that's one method. Yeah. You know. Kind of fun. Um, Want to move on to the next topic? Yeah, the next one is, let me, uh, I'm going to share. Oh, yeah. This is old news. A lot of folks talked about that at the end of last week and the weekend, but I think it's yeah. fun, fun to discuss. Uh Let's see. Share. 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 It's about Hasbro purchasing D&D Beyond. Look at that cash, baby. $146 million? Yay. I wonder how that gets divvied up. Yeah, I don't know. The people at uh, um, D&D Beyond, gotta be, the ones that own it, some pretty happy campers, I would think. Right. I think, I think the... Um, yeah, whoever owns that property, I'm sure they get the, the lion's share of it. And so it's interesting that they bought this. So now the website that they had been in, they had worked with D&D Beyond and had all the 5e content and they put new content when they were playtesting content for 5e and D&D Beyond. Now they own it. It's under their umbrella. And there have been several other um, YouTubers that were making some, you know, guesses as what might this lead to. And one of them is, do you think it'll lead to them purchasing a VTT? And there was some kind of yammerings about that already. Hmm. My thought is, first of all, I'm cool with this. Man, I don't blame them. It's a smart move. If they purchase a VTT, the next question is, will they if they will they make it? If, let's say they buy one. Let's say they buy Roll Twenty or they buy Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds being one of the higher end ones. Could you see a day then? And I would say, I think yes. Could you see a day where they get this PTT, they make it perfectly D&D, and then they don't let you port 
D&D Beyond material through other VTTs. Uh, the guy DMs Lair talked about that. And something, I don't know, understand the computer language, something about he have to make the API do this. Well, I didn't know what the API was. But he said he imagined that one day they may have their own VTT, they have D&D Beyond, and D&D be so big, they might crowd out, not permanently, but close, all the other VTTs. Because if you can't play D&D with all the bits and bobs that makes it really smooth on Forge or, uh, or Roll20 or whatever other Albert Rodeo, whatever you use, then you it'll be a lot of players will be like, eh, let's just use Wizards. It's got yeah, all the uh, I wonder. I don't know if that would be a benefit to them. No. Because they'd actually actually have to go out of the way to do that. So they have to they would have to pay developers to do that. To to, to make it exclusive? Probably. I don't think that it's it's I don't think it's something that well, yeah, I don't think because because all that stuff exists currently on in those VTTs. But that's they, they, I think the way this guy implied it, and I don't know the details. But maybe some people here visiting to some of the guys in the in the comments area. Maybe they know. Um, I think D and D Beyond supplies that API to other all the different VTTs. Okay, so if the VTTs outside like have to access an API to get um, the content if it's if, the, right. if it works that way if it's not content that you port and then it there's a copy of it on those other VTTs right. if it's an API then yeah all they have to do is turn off the API and Darth made a comment here at the end you might want to throw that one up that's a good comment so, so if that happens and the smart move for the VTT companies is to cater all the other TTRPG games it might be the only move yeah and smart I guess I do kind of wonder if someone said, I think if someone said, do you, you want D&D or do you want all the other RPGs business? You would take D&D from a business viewpoint. Oh, sure. Sure. Because I, I heard that said one time during the third edition area era at Gen Con by some of the people that were third party. They said, look, every single other game doesn't match D&D. Correct. And that was back at the, the, the tailing end of uh, White Wolf's supremacy which i'm not i'm not convinced they were supreme ever i think they were still second always just i think pathfinder was not truly first it had a moment of glory and then it was gone so i think that i wouldn't be surprised if they did that especially if it happened really soon or because they all kinds of poor decisions this would be that would be a poor business decision it would alienate people it would so it would alienate a bit of their customer base. Um, it would piss some people off. and um, But they, they've been doing that. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. they did it, really. Um, but I think the smarter move is to leave it alone. I, th I don't know. Because I think in the short term, I think it would be smart. But I think in the long term, especially because I think it would be most likely roll out during a sixth edition. Why, why would it be smart to alienate those other VTTs? Well, to make their to make their content exclusionary, they would get all the money. And if you want to play D&D, &D, which most people just play, there's still a whole lot of people, Joe, that only play D&D. &D. Well, sure. They sure. hardly even know other games exist. Sure. And so, but if they say you can only play D&D &D on our VTT... Hmm. 
You could only play D&D using D&D Beyond stuff. That Correct. doesn't mean you couldn't create your own little formulas to work on your VTT. But I wonder how much effort. I don't know the ins and outs of, of how that would work. But I don't think they could say you can't play D&D on Roll20. It's just you don't get to port in all the cool D&D Beyond character sheets and all that other crap. But who says you couldn't port your own character sheet on? I right, right. I um, think um, I think in the I'm long term, sure. in the long term, what you said would I think there'd be an initial small but loud minority that would get upset. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, you excluded you bastards!" And you, they probably lose some people. And then people would just play D and D. What I think would be dangerous is if they roll this out just before or during the release of sixth edition, which is coming out in twenty twenty four. They can call it whatever they want. It's sixth edition, especially if they consider continue a bit of a pattern. You know, think fourth edition sucks. Third was good. Fourth was bad. Fifth was good. Whether you like it or not, it was a good sales thing. Six might. Who knows? I mean, we all. I think most of us believe there's a bubble here. I, I believe there's a bubble, and D and D's about. It's about to burst. Where D and D's not in the zeitgeist, but I could be wrong. It might just be part of the culture now. I mean, that's a permanent picture. It's possible. I I really don't think it. It's a smart move for them to um to take uh to to alienate more of their cu- customer base than they already are i mean yeah it, 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 it might like you say it might there might be a, an initial dip or there might uh, where some people uh migrate to whatever their vtt uh at this point imaginary is but who knows yeah and what, it's like, all speculation yeah. at this point they may never do a vtt because if they wow. do they really do have to hire some more developers well they do have more cash being owned by hasbro and hasbro has made watsy kind of the king he's they're the king leg of their company now watsy kind of is it's kind of the number one leg hmm. and i mean it's more important than most of their, most of their games i believe and um is wizards wizards magic and D, not D&D. right um yeah um, we'll see you don't see then here's the other thing um wizards of the coast keeps their their um internal financials opaque so we don't it's, you can't really tell what's their money maker and what's not their money maker what about okay what about this move they revamp D&D Beyond for 6th edition, they leave it open to play 5e and before, but then they make their 6th edition proprietary because they're already talking like the 6th edition that they're trying to push the electronic stuff even more. Yeah, get that backyard, Max. Water it good, dude. The, better, the wireless better reach out there or you'll just be stuck in the house until we're done and then That's you can right. You can wait. Yeah. <laughs> you can water in the dark. Water in the dark. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, um, Wizards of the Coast already got a big chunk of sales from D and D Beyond. Sure. So uh, they're probably spending the money they earned from D and D Beyond. It's possible. I mean, and I don't blame them. I mean, now D and D Beyond proved to be a good partner. They were a great asset to them. People love the D and D Beyond crap. Why not buy it? And I think there, I think there was a, I think there was discussion of a, 
they had a clause in there. Or did, did they not know if there was a clause where they would keep the people? It'd be stupid to get rid of the D&D Beyond people. They run it so well. Why would you boot them? Yeah. They don't ever make bad business decisions, do they? Who? D&D Beyond? Um, oh, Watsy. Yeah. True. Watsy may very well. Or Hasbro. Yeah. Boot them all. Oh, well. We'll see. I think, we'll see. I think there's something. I think this is the beginning of something. And but what what it is, I don't know. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is it's um, as much speculation as a lot of people are putting into uh, the purchase of D and D Beyond. And um, Hasbro's had a uh, what's it called a finance call. It's not that's a, that's the wrong terminology, but basically they're discussing their their. Um, um, their portfolio and stuff with their shareholders, ah, okay. other involved people. They have a uh, a call, and um, people are like, "Oh, what's going to be discussed?" And blah 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 blah. I'm like, "I don't care," because I don't care about that company. Right. I don't do anything with any of their stuff, so um, except uh, their back catalog, which you know, <laughs> they don't care about anymore. No, so. they don't. Not really. Oh well, who knows? We'll see. It may not mean anything. You know what I will say is I hope Wizards of the Coast makes all the wrong decisions and they sink into the swamp after they've fallen over and caught on fire. That would be truly wonderful. Yes. Yeah. And somebody else can uh, take the helm and see see where the hobby, what direction the hobby goes. Maybe it'll be less uh, stupid than it is now. We can always hope. Always. Yep. All right. Shall we move into the main topic? Main topic today is what stats got to do with it. We're going to talk about how much stats matter in the various iterations of D&D, apart from 4th, because we don't play that. And 5th uh, edition is... Um, eh. So, um, how much they do, how much they should. I'm not sure how much the should part we're going to get into, but we'll get into some of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, and from a D&D perspective, this discussion, and Joe has several links. Um, DMing with Charisma, I just thought that kind of inspired me, so I'll put that in there. Uh, that uh, particular link is goes back to, oh gosh, what is the date on that one? October 2011. 2011. And the guy gives his own interpretation of what stats mean. So if you have anywhere from a 1 to a 25 and the 6 D&D stats, we're focusing on D&D, he gives a a little short sentence, like he says, if you have an 8 to 9 strength, I'm reading from the website, uh, I guess I could share that, couldn't I? Oh, you I'm, doing, I'm sharing it. Good man, share Way ahead of you. Yeah. yeah eight if to you nine. were actually paying attention, you would have seen that. I don't pay attention to you, dude. Uh, <laughs> this is a show. I'm the talent. I got to make it happen. So... <laughs> Uh, he has trouble even lifting heavy objects, eight to nine, so minus one. So clearly we're using the, I would say, where the third edition era began. With the yeah, game. this is the third edition scale. Yeah, And then a 18 to 19 can break objects like wood with bare hands. 22 to 23 can pull very heavy objects at appreciable speeds. Anyway, he gives his own interpretation, and they're okay. I read some. I mean, that's fine. That's a good general way uh, to think of things. Um, the the six stats, um, I guess the first question is, why so many dang ability scores anyway? Six we, is not very many. I don't know. Can we have two? Physical and mental? We could, but that would be very abstract and not as useful, I think. 
Some some uh, systems have a lot more than six. Ha <laughs> ha! Brownie points to Patrick. Look what he says at seven fifty-seven. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got it. That's correct. Obscure eighties reference. That is obscure eighties. You you win the booby prize tonight. Unfortunately, not really boobies, but you win it. Right. Well, good job, Patrick. Um. So anyway, uh. So you, and and there's games that have done that, but D and D. I guess it would be hard to delineate if you have all the classes. You know, you kind of got the wise cleric, the dexterous thief, the strong fighter, the dexterous ranger, uh, the charismatic, if you go through a third edition, sorcerer, or paladin. The charismatic paladin. paladin. Constitution, maybe barbarian, right? Big hit point guy. Mm-hmm. So I guess intelligence wizard. So I, um, I think, um, I think... Yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think that that idea, while I, I've toyed with it, especially with Mud Sword, I'll cut down the, the stats, cut down the stats. Yeah, that's probably not a something. Uh, thirsty, guys, what happened to comeliness? Nothing happened to it. We're, we're just not using it. But I remember those days, comeliness. We used, to, we used that for a while, didn't we? When yeah, did that, that was part. Was that in? Um, that was in Arthur Arcana. That's it? what I thought. That, okay. introduced, that was in, probably was introduced in a Dragon Magazine article. And yeah. then it, it found its way into um, our, uh, Unearthed Arcana back in uh, AD&D first edition day, days. And we tried using comeliness, but we did, we just didn't use it a lot. It didn't mean much in our game. So you're pretty. First dead, yeah. I think Unearthed Arcana was first dead thirsty, or Thurston Howe. Uh, I believe so. I think so. But sure, I'll, I'll take your word for it. But uh, Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. We got another obscure movie uh, t- television reference here. Oh, what's that? Thurston Howell the Fourth. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Gilligan's Island, yo. Love you, baby. Yeah, All right. Welcome, dude. That's that's really clever. Cool. Oh, Darth says hit Darth up. Darth up. He's gonna comment at eight o'clock. Interesting. Or you simplify the stats, the more each will have to cover, making description more and more vague. Right. And Joe is so it would be very abstract, and um, yeah, that that could be a bit of a problem. I think. Yeah. Um, Less useful. Yeah. I, I would rather mm-hmm. there be more than less as as long as the stats were relevant to the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, John Schlow uh, at 8 o'clock says, Year Zero engine. I believe that is the Aliens engine. The Aliens. Is that right? Uh, has four stats. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, OA, maybe Oriental Adventures. I can't recall. Right. These are these are rules like games. So yeah. less is more for the lighter. Yeah, definitely lighter. But anyway, with D and D in particular, we're focusing on D and D. So if, if we think okay, they got there's enough stats. Um, how important are they to play now? Now, we <laughs> Joe posted this on Facebook, and one of the Facebook sites we're on, somebody commented. Well, obviously, they're super important. You don't need to watch this video. <laughs> now, I almost played Mean Randy and came back at him with this information. See, Randy's done his homework today. See, Randy's got uh, – uh, you guys can't see this very clearly, but it's based nope. – the stats through the edition, uh, through the editions. And um, in OD&D, if, I, if, my, if my Google Foo was correct, uh, there was no modifiers whatsoever – for your stats at all, whether you had a three or an 18 until the Greyhawk supplement, definitely in the mold vey or, um, 
Eric J. Holmes basic set. Ah. Yeah, um, that was the case initially. So they did eventually come up to something like if you had a score that was six or lower, it was a minus one. Seven to 14 or seven to 13 was a zero. And 14 to 18 was plus one, which means stats didn't mean anything. They, Almost nothing. No. And the only thing they could do, they did have this. If your prime requisite was like a 15 or higher, you got um, – 10% or 5%, and if you got a – it's like a 13, you got 5%, 15, you got 10%, and experience point bonus. So you could definitely argue that stats did not matter in OD&D. Um, did, did your classes have qualifying stat uh, qual- stat qualifiers? Nope. So you could be a, you could be a wizard yep. or a magic user Yes. with a one, uh, three intelligence. Correct. And it didn't affect your character at all? No. So did old D&D have like percentages for being able to memorize spells and stuff like that? No, 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 no. Stats didn't. The only thing that I saw, and I'm not sure this was a Greyhawk supplement or not, they did have missile modifiers for um, dexterity for some reason. Hmm. Like a plus one or plus two, I think. That was kind of weird, but not for strength and not for intelligence. Um, and you were allowed to subtract from up to three points from intelligence or wisdom to add to your strength if you were a fighter and vice versa if you were a wizard. But only, this is weird, only for counting for experience point to get that ex- percentage, not for actual change. I didn't know that. <laughs> so if you had a 10 intelligence and a 13 strength, you could drop your 10 to an 8 or a 7 and think of your 13 as a 14 when you got it. Right, keep. right. Oh. But when I remember that. Bonus. Drop two, raise one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, but that got modified more later on. In the Beckme editions and Eric J. Holmes and Moldvay, uh, generally speaking, your modifiers were um, – let me see if I can uh, share this. It's a, it's a document that I – Yeah, I, I looked to see if you had that in any I, of the email. I thought I sent it to you. I guess you, I did you not. Did. You did not. So uh, – but you could um, – Trade things out. This is just a quick. You could send that to me, and then I could share it if you want. That would probably be probably be smart. Give me a second here. Uh, nah, I'll share it. I'm already yeah, here. The various editions had different emphasis on on uh, stats, but in general, it increased over the editions. Yep. As uh, the closer you get to now. Although now, I don't know if you would say the stats matter more or Did less in 5th edition. I thought I and shared. All it's, I see is, let me see, what is that? Yeah. Blanky. Bup- Bupkis. Okay. Stop sharing, Randy. Share screen. You don't, you, you don't know how to properly share, apparently. I can't share, apparently. Your sharing facility is... For is um, it doesn't have to be a PDF, does it? No, it should. You should. But basically, you're sharing a screen. So whatever screen you're show, you're looking at it now. You just there it is. You okay. figured it out. I'm slow, but it'll happen sometime. If you can, if you can zoom a little. There we go. Okay, so let's scooch that over. So if you look. 
uh, for ODD. There's a, there's another one that's interesting. Charisma had a hirelings and reactions modifiers. That t- there was a table for that in ODD in the first three books. Yeah. But, well, just yeah. just to, just to let you know, <clears throat> viewers are not having a good time right now because it's kind of skewed over to the right too far. Oh, my kingdom for a skewing. Let's see here. There we go. That's much better. Is that better for the viewers? No. So if I flatten it, it doesn't help. Okay. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, nothing for except for charisma. I did see in the Greyhawk a supplement that made a plus one, minus one, he said. Then Beckme, they had those modifiers, basically minus three to plus three. Um, that was interesting. And the rule cyclopedia was mostly that. I actually looked in the rule cyclopedia for those. Beckme had some different. If you looked at the Mold Vey versus the Eric J. Holmes versus the Mincer, there were some slight differences. That was essentially it. Um, and then it wasn't until first edition that we got more familiar modifiers. People usually think of this. So strength modifier was minus three to plus three to hit. And your damage would be variable by percentile dice. Intelligence was nothing. You got bubkis for that, except immunity to illusions eventually. Uh, wisdom minus three to plus four uh, on magical attack spell bonus. It wasn't wasn't clear, actually, Joe. Whether or not druids got that. Right, because it, it was just, it said clerics. Yeah, it said clerics. And there was a spell fa- failure decrease. So if you had a three wisdom, you had an 80% chance to fail. If you had a 16 or 17, you had no percent chance to fail. And then dexterity plus four to minus four. So, of course, just to be clear, I'm describing these modifiers as if they're going from, from uh, generally from highest to lowest. So it's between a three and 18 range. Um. You did get a um, reaction roll from minus three to plus three uh, when you got surprised. I didn't read in detail what that meant. And then versus missile attacks, um, I was kind of odd because sometimes some of the some of the some of the streaks were just or the changes in the numbers were not consistent. They just kind of picked them out of a the hat. They're like, oh, I want this to be plus three, so I'm going to do it. And then your max number of henchmen was determined by charisma. Con was minus two to plus two. Most people probably remember if you were a fighter, you could get plus three or plus four per hit die. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. So stats definitely start to matter when you get into um, rules. AD&D. AD&D for sure. Rules Cyclopedia a little bit too. Yeah. You could play cool things like, I think. Well, there's a lot more that the stats do in first yes. edition. I mean, you get actually we get more bonuses you get more you get a greater range of uh, modifiers let's say in beck me but yeah. in first edition you got a lot of different things that your stats do and yeah. then you have that weird percentile strength deal yeah and that was you know that was fun rolling it but it was kind of weird i mean it was weird because you're like i think an 18 a regular 18 was plus one plus two or something, something. like that Plus yeah, one plus weird. two or plus one plus three, something like that. Yeah, and I think I think maybe if you if you check those articles out that uh, Joe will link in the um, show notes on Grognardia, he goes through a lengthy discussion of how ability essentially abilities become more and more important through the additions. Right, and he stops around second, but I would say it becomes even more important when you come to third edition. Yeah, third edition abilities are practically king. Right. Um, they determine because they're yeah they're really they're really tied into lots of different things yeah 
attacks, skills. Um, well, let Initiative. me get to, yeah, let me get to uh, second edition. This is where it gets kind of funny. I didn't realize this, but second edition, their stats range from one to 25. They showed the modifiers. Mm. And they still used, um, you know, percentile. Some of the modifiers changed, like wisdom, instead of being what was it in second, what was it in first? Minus three to plus four, it went to plus, minus six to plus four. It said priest. Now, priests, I, I put that in red. Everybody can see that, right? I put that in red for wisdom here. For This is second and ugh. This is second edition. Um, uh, right there. Yeah. I thought uh, priests were... Druids were priests, you know, and so some of the dodge bonuses say, but pretty much nothing changed. They did get away from percentile dice to, I imagine, a D20 roll, because notice for charisma, you went from minus eight to plus 20 instead of percentiles. Mm. And um, I believe, I don't know, in first edition, did races give you any modifiers to stats? I didn't see that. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't check that. Do races give you any modifiers to stats, I wonder? I think that started in third, but I could yeah, I could third. be remembering that incorrectly. I don't have any second edition books. I can't verify that. Okay. First edition, I don't believe they that uh, you what you had were stat maximums and minimums. You didn't yeah. have stat boosting. That's what they brought in. Yeah, max and mins. That, that came in in first edition in order to be uh, – um, there were some supplements, though, that came out in second edition days that might have changed that. But I'm pretty sure first edition, you just, you know, you got what you got. Yeah. And then you qualified for your race or you qualified for class. And then you went from there. Yeah. Shadow and Sun says, yes, races did get bonuses in first. OK, they did. OK. Good to know. Did not remember. So. Okay, so stats do really start to matter in first and second edition. Um, it has know, been a while since we since we played yeah. those editions. It is funny though because the Grognardia guy makes a pretty interesting uh, argument that it or was a Grognardia was another one that I read. someone somewhere I read made a very interesting argument that if you have. Um, if you're going to have stats be such a big deal and you're going to have minimum requirements to be a certain class, why not just <laughs> haircut? What is a haircut? No haircut shadow. I got mine. That's a, that's a pretty decent haircut. Not as short as Joe's, but yeah. But um, why not just let, why not just ditch the stats and let fighters be fightery and do fightery stuff and give them an increasing bonus to damage as they level. Say that again? So, if if you have to have a nine strength to be a fighter, right? Um, or you have to have a certain strength to do a certain action. Hmm. You know, why not just, or to be a certain race, why not just say, hey, you know, get rid of that, all those different modifiers and just say fighters get bonuses to damage as they level up. Yeah, there probably is a, a superior way to do it. Um, there's they've they've done stats different, slightly different ways throughout the years. Yeah, but um, I think you could instead, and you could ditch having a bunch of modifiers 
and just say have categories your your strength is this high you can do these things um and then you only need the modifiers for certain things anyway for skills or or whatnot um so you could um instead do the old way that was suggested by what you said was was it Moldvay who who suggested the roll under yeah he was the first to do skills that way according to an article that i read i can't i can't you know that's not 100% fact that's just me going on um my memory from reading an article about that but yeah Moldvay did that if it really would help a lot of folks who have issues adding and subtracting whole numbers uh, um, it just seems here the last, I don't know how long, folks have been balking at math in the game. Yeah, but I don't think that's a crowd. That's We're not part of that crowd. We're, we, we're okay with the math, though it is interesting. You and I, but there's lots of uh, folks in the OSR who like small numbers. And, and not just them. There's lots of people we know or have met throughout the years who, oh, I have to add things. Or um, they just they don't understand why there's math, and we've heard it. And there's there, it's on Twitter, it's in Facebook, it's all over the place. Math, math, we don't like math. But um, if you want to do that, then you can do the roll under thing, get rid of most of these modifiers, and just make categories for your stat your, your stats, and say if you have this level of a stat or this high of a number in a stat. You're capable of doing X things related to that stat. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You watch the progression, the progression of these, you know, on these old, what I'll call the TSR era D&D, this progression with all the stats starting to affect more and more things, right? As you go, um, you start to wonder if you need to be effective. Well, that sounds like modern terminology, being effective um, for more modern games. You know, why not just... Why bother rolling? And of course, third edition, which brings in the point by and stat array, I believe. Well, there was some variance of those in second. Remember, I, I think I pointed out once in the second edition DM's guide, they have a bunch of crazy <laughs> ways to generate stats. And there's four or five methods in the first edition player's handbook. But it seems that clearly D&D was wanting stats to take a more uh, prominent role. And I, and I think really overall, as much as I bring up the idea of oh, we can streamline it and do this, I think I'm good with it. I think I'm good with stats being pretty important. I mean, that makes one fighter different from another, different from another. And I think this is where third edition, if you're a fan of stats really mattering, third edition kind of takes the cake here. It um, does. And that's um, that's something that's alluded to here by T-shirt historian. And welcome. Oh, yeah. Um, Reading our mind. Uh, Pathfinder in in third edition are very similar, especially first edition Pathfinder, yeah. like he says. Yeah. By the time you get to sixth level, you have so many modifiers for feet, stats, equipment, everything. It was ludicrous. Yeah. It was ludicrous to track. I mean, doing the math is no big deal, but it was ludicrous to track all the different things to add in because you could easily miss something. Yes. I really did like the uniformity of the stat modifiers, though. Um, yeah. It's a stat score minus 10 divided by two round down. And they pretty much have kept those third, fourth, fifth Pathfinder. I like that. But like T-shirt said, I'm not a huge fan of it all being such a (laughs) well done, Thurston. Stats don't care about your feelings. That's some truth. I don't give two craps. 
I'm really strong. It says you got a 12 string. Shut up. Plus one. <laughs> you know what I mean? He got a little crazy because these stats didn't just a fighter's con gave him hit points. Affected his saving throw uh, fortitude, right? Mm-hmm. Affected any skill that involved constant, you know, constitution, stamina, and uh, yeah. So it was it was pretty important, and sometimes it helped him qualify for certain feats. Right, right. right. So, and that's the thing: the interconnectedness of all the different uh, parts of third edition made it difficult to house rule yep. without having to worry about ramifications. And do you think they went to the point by because they wanted people to be able to play more about what they, the character they wanted to play instead of rolling to see what they got to play? Right. That's right, Powder Puff. Math does not care about your feelings. I tell my students that all the time. Randy cares about your feelings. Math. No, no, Randy doesn't. I tell him this, though, Joe. That's what I tell him. I care. I care about you as your professor. You need to pray about that. I do because it's kind of lying. That's probably not good. <laughs> kind of lying. If if you're a decent person, I care about you. No, that's not true. But uh, yeah, I, I get tired of that. They you know, students. Okay. Side side note. They uh, get all upset at you. Why did you give me a C minus? I did not give you a C minus. You earned it. You earned every bit of it. I added the points up. Used the scale. That's what you got. I didn't give you a thing. You earned it. Congratulations. And that's hard for students to sometimes think, oh, you gave me this. You didn't give me this. I'm, like, ah. I'm about to get bombarded with that bull crap here in about two weeks. So, Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Fun times. Cry baby time. Cry baby. But um, so as you mentioned earlier, so this whole third edition era, and it did, it flowed into, uh, I said, fourth and fifth. I mean, you notice not much changed. Uh, you got modifiers by race. Uh, there were some limitations, no limitations in third and fourth. So you could keep adding ability points as you go. Uh, uh, but for fifth edition, you had kind of cap of a 20 on your stats. And so that kept things down. Of course, that give that gives them the, uh, what do they call it? What's the, what's the thing they praise for fifth edition, their format of, um, Oh, bounded accuracy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's overrated. Just keeping things within a certain range every level, which you could call that boring, too. Bounded accuracy, bounded accuracy is fear of large. Not, not even large numbers. Two-digit numbers. I mean, fear of, it's fear of variety. Yeah. Unpredictability. You can make yeah. you can make arguments from both sides that it's both good and bad. Uh, it's good cookie for, cutter. Yeah, but it's good for predicting. Uh, sure, sure. Class abilities, bad for interesting variety and different campaign experiences, I would say. Right. So anyway, let me unshare because now we're kind of done with that part. Yeah. Um, I understand, though, that the tw- uh, cap of 20. Yeah. Like you you had the barbarian exception there, but there might be others. But uh, yeah, the barbarian, I don't know. I'm not a, a 5e master. I have played it. Played I just it heard it in passing. Yeah, I've just uh, yeah, I've read it. I played enough, but not too much. Um, I guess for me at this point in my life, I think Joe and I are on the same page. I love. Oh, what is Dar saying? Saying something good? Said what I said earlier. He doesn't like point by or stat array, both limit variation. What stats you can have, and feel, and I feel create more cookie cutter PCs. That is exactly correct. Terribly predictable. For sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I think I'm with you too. I, I for me, honestly, and this is and this is me more than maybe Joe. When I sit down, I don't care what character I play. So I 3D6 down the line, 
see what I get. Oh, look, got a 14 clear, 14 wisdom. That's my highest guess. I'm playing a cleric. 17 straight. Looks like I'm playing a fighter. <laughs> you know, it don't bother me at all. So highest stats in 11. Looks like I'm dead in the first combat. You don't care about the game. I don't. That's that's your problem. You don't care about the game. That is so that is Joe cannot be more accurate. I enjoy playing. I'll keep playing. But All I, those books on your shelves there, they they're just a compensation for you not caring. Compensation just so I could be on Joe's podcast because it's really Joe's. I'm just trying to be a part of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I've, I've faked it for 42 years. So yeah. <laughs> no, when I'm I'm kind of like that as as a as a uh, hey oh, later, Larry. Larry's booking. He's got to go. No, no. Stop. In the name of love. <laughs> um, um, no, no. In the name of friendship, Larry, don't leave us. Yes, don't leave. Don't go. Don't go, dude. But to get good. So, okay, stat mods. So yeah, you, I mean, the guy on Facebook. I, I wish he'd listen because I kind of agree with him. They do matter in D and D now, and in most they matter. Of- they matter more. Well. Yeah, from third edition and fourth edition, fifth edition they matter. Yeah, but I think they matter to a lesser extent. Well, don't forget they have six saving throws tied to each stat. Oh, that's true. So, and you can't you dump charisma if you want to until somebody decides to banish you. <laughs> then you be like, okay, Shoot. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, I will say that they they mattered uh, in a different way. Yes, so probably not less. No. I, I think third edition was the heaviest handed. Yeah, I agree with Thurston Howe. Point, I, yeah. Point. It back. was it was novel when I was in third edition for me for a long time. Um, because contrary to what Randy said earlier in the in the stream, the rolling methods, the generation methods for characters are in the DMG, not the player's handbook. Both both editions, first and second. I don't know about second, but I I, I do remember. The phrase "consult your DM," he will tell you what what method to use. <laughs> consult your DM; he will let you know if you get to have Some, something else that was in one of those articles was in old D and D. The DM rolled your stats. Anish, that was about for two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of the grand D and D, that was about a two minute rule because before long, people were like, "This is dumb." And then once stats started to matter, I imagine Gary's like, I don't want them blaming me for any more anything else more than what they're already blaming me for. So you roll your old damn character. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably true, Thurston. Uh, maybe it's a nice convention for for newbies. So yeah, when you're first in, you don't know what's what. Throw down a, a point, uh, a stat array even is even easier. You don't even do stat array would be great for a newbie. Why don't you play this dwarven fighter? Here's some stats. Yeah. And then I think after that, I, after that, I put point by last. That's too. That's that, fiddly. That's fiddly. I would go with the stat array first, and then when they like maybe do a stat array character for their first character, they're really digging it. Say, hey, roll, roll the dice. You know, unless they want to, oh, I like this guy. I want to play him. Keep him or let him roll the you know roll your own. So um, yeah, I think that's probably the best. Um, so yeah, I, I think our. Our uh, slight detractor on Facebook would have been surprised that we ended up mostly agreeing with him. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a lot to say. I, I think that was uh, his uh, comment was uh, with tongue firmly placed in cheek. I hope so. I hope so. 
I didn't I didn't respond too badly, so I was trying right. to be nice. Because I, I hope it wasn't that. Um, what about other stats? Now, the ability scores are one thing, but there's a few others, and we've done a little talking with this. Did you get a chance to watch the video? Well, we've already talked about the video that the Pundit did on hit points. Yes, uh, I did watch that. Did you get to watch the other one, that you know, this new guy um, on Armor Class, how they used an, an evasion score, which is more like, Third edition, unearthed arcana option where you can have a defensive value and then armor is DR. So hit points um, as a stat, are they needed? Are they necessary? Well, I like uh, Pundit's uh, use of them being a risk assessment tool. So X amount of, you have X amount of hit points. Okay, R is are these things that you have up here, hit points, armor class, and save those, are they considered stats? They, well, they statistics, yes, they are. Uh, they're derived statistics based upon what you roll. Right, but I mean by the game specifically. I'm being a little... Oh, they're, not ability, they're not ability scores. Right. But ability scores and hit points and armor class and saving throws right. would be considered statistics. Okay. For numbers so, that you use to make decisions. So, yeah, I mean, I, would, I think in any, in any way you would categorize them as statistics in some way all right so yes um i have x amount of hit points um if it it if you have 10 hit points you low level character you have 10 hit points or you're a higher higher level character and you've been beat down and you only have 10 hit points left and you you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to continue on with the adventure or even go considering what's there help you make that decision yeah and i think it, i think we we discussed it before but the idea of the dm keeping track of that and keeping it secret probably not so great because nah that's a i remember hearing about this dude who's like i will tell you how healthy you are right Just shut up this that's not control freak right yeah that's a control freak yeah I would not, I would not, uh, you know, there's probably put folks who are just fine with that and that's fine, but no, not for me. Yeah. But hit uh, points are good. I think the risk assessment, uh, um, thing, um, is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I do too. I think if you follow that link, are you going to post that one too, Joe? I yeah. All these links will be posted in the, in the description show notes. It's basically our hit points dumb, and he comes down on the side that it's a way for characters to assess their risk. Um, Thurston Hal asks, are we on D4 hit points for spellcasters? I am. Joe won't do it, though. He resists. Um, I liked the bump in third <laughs> yeah. edition to D6s, yeah. but, you know, wizards have really good spells. Perhaps they should be a D4. And they, they probably should be pretty weak sauce when it comes to combat. I'm even fine with them never getting a bonus to hit above plus one. It, I mean, that's interesting. Where where do they even get any combat training except for in the field? And most of the time, they are ducking and dodging and being in the back and hopefully protected by the folks with metal skins. And Dude, we are given so much. Our our thoughts are so first and second editioning. I mean, like in second edition, right? You didn't get a bump in attack bonus till third or fourth level. As a wizard, and your saving throws didn't go up till fifth level. So, I mean, yeah, um, yeah, I think that's probably 
yeah, you know what? When you think about that, you probably really should be. I probably was just too hard on you, Joe, honestly, as a wizard player, because you were like just minutes away from death. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking Pathfinder. I think oh. they got the D6 in Pathfinder. Yeah. Is that what I'm thinking? Yes, I think Pathfinder did it. Yeah. I, I definitely, yeah, Sorcerer's got a D6 in third. Darth is right. I think. That's fine. They they sucked as a class in, in third edition anyway. 3-5, they got a little better. Pathfinder, they got a little better. But they weren't the greatest. Um, I think that they were trying to make a class out of whole cloth that didn't have the standard um, um, way of um, doing the spell memorization. And they had no, all they said was, you get you get spells that you can just cast. You don't have to memorize them. And right. they thought that was good enough. Right. And they were like, yeah, you can know five spells. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so like good. A fourth, level, a fourth level sorcerer, you can know five spells. One Unless of you're fine with spamming a particular spell yeah, all day. Magic missile, magic missile. Magic missile. Yeah, that, that's boring. That became predictable too. Um, yeah. But hit points, I I think I think I think um Pundit had the right of it. I, I'm not inclined to think of it as just your physical body. I think risk assessment assessment is pretty good. It also handles the idea of how can I function, you know, I'm a tw 20th level D&D character. How can I function uh, at 100 hit points? What does T-shirt say? Arcan um, the Arcanist. Yeah, because that the T-shirt uh, historian says that Arcanist is the best PF1E caster, hands down, Pathfinder 1E. Yes, sure. yeah, I think so too. It's a, it's a, a variation of, of, um, the Magister from Arcana Evolved. Yeah. But yes. He was pretty good, too. We played that. Joe played that character for a while. He had too many fiddly bits. He did have a lot of fiddly bits. Yeah. The spells had too many fiddly bits. Yeah. He could. But apart from that, I liked it. Well, you used to just rave about the diminished and heightened effects of every spell and then never use it. Yeah, because, you know, in the heat of the moment, you're like, well, I'm going to use the spell. And yeah. you're like, oh, I could have used the diminished and the heightened. And I'm like, no, because... No. Yeah. Dar said the sorcerer is a half-baked, what did he say, half-baked wizard? Yeah. And should have been shelved. Yeah. Honestly, the better sorcerer was, uh, was I thought the scion was better. Um, he Even the 3-0 scion, who was weak, he was weak, even weak as the sorcerer, but he had a lot more variability and things he mm -hmm. could do. The 3-5 scion, however, whoo. Way he, too powerful. Way too much. So he was like the sorcerer on crack. And um, really tough. And he could be outdone by the wizard at the highest levels. The wizard had some great spells he didn't have, but it sure didn't seem like it for about levels 1 to 20, about one to 15. He was really boss. He was like the best of all worlds. I can do all things, and I have 900 power points. But, yeah. Um, what about his thought, the guy in the second video on armor class? He... Uh, and you and I have talked about this, and I do like it. We've never really pulled the trigger in our D&D games. But instead of armor class, just a general measurement of how hard you are to hit. What if you had a defensive value, which he called evasion, based on dexterity? And I think he used he was using OSR rules, so he would use your dex modifier plus was it dex plus 10 plus your bonus to hit? I think that's how he did it. I missed this when I was looking through the notes, oh, okay. and I, I didn't watch the video. Watch the video. It's interesting. It's very short, about three, four minutes. He says, um, 
you use your it's 10 so you're he called it evasion your evasion modifier was 10 plus your dex modifier plus your bonus to hit because your bonus to hit determines how good you were in combat okay so was it still a number that the attacker had to beat the attacker had to beat on a d20 so it's no different well yes but then he used armor as dr okay so i get what he's doing and i agree to some extent um having heavy armor does not make you harder to strike no that's what he said right so i understand what he's saying um but what he's come what 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 you're describing as what he's come up with is he's saying armor class with a different name plus dr which um i sure i get it i mean it's the same it's almost the same thing except for slightly different um modifiers thrown in there yeah but um um i'd have to i have to see it working yeah i mean that particular system works i do i do prefer armor as dr yes and and his dr wasn't very generous it was like minus whose plate mail was minus four but he made a comment daggers couldn't hurt you without a bonus to damage <laughs> if you had if you had pl- plate armor because you, you did d4 damage and you had minus four you were fine and i'm sure he didn't mention magic either so if you wanted to add if magic added to dr i believe if we looked at unearthed arcana from 33.5 i believe it had a system like that um i just wouldn't want to go back into third edition because all the fiddly bits um yeah, so I do. I do. Like I said, his his name for evasion, you can call it armor class. You could just call it defense. Your defense, and then your dr would subtract from damage. Um, right. I'm going to star a few of these things so we can because the, the couple of things that aren't really uh, re- re- related to what we're talking about, but are interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Yeah, we're not going to forget um, you. Yes. So yeah, I like the idea that armor is dr. I like the idea that you have a defensive value that is your armor class and uh, dodging is, is something that, and, and this is something in um, palladium, right? You have your um, to hit and then you have a dodge and you have, uh, I don't think you have an evasion, but you have a dodge. There's two or three things that you have as combat values that you can bring to bear. And um, they all make sense. However, they also make combat a little more convoluted than D and D is. So, if you're going to with D and D, you got a, a one roll, and you determine whether you've been hit or not, right? Whether you've been affected by the hit. So, if you would do something different, I would, I would, um, in the spirit of D and D, I would prefer one roll. Yes. And then and not, that one roll tells you what you need to know. And then well, you have the image roll. Well, his his system does. One roll is a hit. Which you right. hit is- oh, I'm, 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 what I'm saying is um, with Palladium, there's a lot of different fiddly things that that's similar to what he's talking about. Not the same. But it's more com- uh, complex and may not be appropriate for D&D to, to add in. Oh, I see. Okay. Hmm. What about saving throws? I remember early on, you you used to complain early on. Why do you even get saving throws? Magic is powerful, man. Well, sure. 
<laughs> you shouldn't even get saving throws. And there's, and I remember the first time I saw an un, a spell you didn't get a saving throw for. I thought that's ridiculous. <laughs> but you were the opposite. Hey, what's up, Bruce? Um, yeah, um, I get that saving throws, uh, but it's part of the the um, randomness of the game, I would say, mm-hmm. because it's it's like. Um, I hit, I hit you with a sword, you're dead. You're going down. You're not recovering from that. Right. But... Oh, it's compared to... So you're saying that's just the wizard's version of not being able to go, oh, I cast Charm Person, you're my you're my puppet. Right. So there's got to be a way to resist. And, you know, you see it in... You, you, see, you read it in stories. You see it in uh, TV shows and movies. How someone goes... No, not today, Satan, or whatever. Right. Get out of my mind. So, yeah, um, you got to have a resistance of some kind, or or it doesn't necessarily mean no effect. Lots of saving throws are, are only offer partial protection from from magic or other other effects. Like yeah. you make a saving throw, but you still might take damage. You just don't die. Fireball, man. Yeah. You're, you're Fireball. taking something, yeah. Yeah. What about, and we talked about this, especially for Mudsword, what about opposed checks? I always thought that sounded good. I know it's an, well, they're both extra rolls. If I cast the spell, well, there's one roll. You make a saving throw. But if we made opposed checks, that might be, I always thought the caster power check versus your ability check or whatever you want. I guess yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, it depends on how many rolls you want yeah. and how. Once you get used to a system, all this stuff doesn't matter as far as time at the table right. for um, combat or or task resolution or whatever. So if you have to do an opposed roll to charm someone, so I roll my caster power and you roll your resistance, let's say, if you want that to be part of your game, that's not, if you know what you're doing, that's not that's not going to add too much of anything. It's only going to add something when you have folks that are having to consult their character sheet all the time or, or don't know the rules very well and stuff like that. So once you know what you're doing, then it's not that big of a deal. Even if you want to do that with combat where, except for the DM, this will be hard on the DM, especially you who like to throw out lots of minis sometimes. So a lot of times you like just the one big, enemy i like to be one, one big enemy but it's it's fun sometimes to you know see you guys go holy crap we got 40 foes yeah, yeah but if you had to make opposed attack or defense rolls on our attacks yeah. it would be a pain in the butt wouldn't it yeah and and then you might as well just have armor class because i'd probably be like i'm tired of it right um what is uh i'm having a hard time my screen is all screwed up i'm trying to get it back to the standard screen and i can't read everybody's comments uh bruce says um Oh, when Randy, when I I can't tell what that is. So. Uh, Randy, when I roll for a grab or bull rush, I always include an extra d twenty in the rolling package. It depends on if I hit the target first, but I find it seems to work well in my combats. Oh yeah, if I'm rolling, I'll do that too. I'll have a like roll an extra d twenty in case it's a confirmation roll back in Pathfinder. If I roll a twenty, I'll have it. Or roll damage dice along with it. Yeah, that's always a, rolling all the dice that you can is great. Uh, it's a great strategy in general. Yeah, like rolling your dice, uh, the damage dice at the same time you roll your attack roll. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what we were saying. Yep. Approval rolls are fine. Just need to do quick resolution. As long, yeah. When people are familiar with the rules, that 
that doesn't really make the game last longer or the combat. 5e, 5e really shouldn't even use, in my opinion, terminology like saving throws uh, because they're just ability checks because they're based on abilities. I mean, granted, you might have a proficiency bonus to one or two saving throws, so you get an extra plus two, but it's really just make a strength check, make a wisdom check, you know. Um, but they call it a saving throw, and then that's fine. Yeah. I prefer fewer. I'm not too opposed to it. I just I like the third edition three three saves. I'm not even too opposed to just using one save like we were thinking about. Here. Yeah. And that's just applying right. stat modifiers as that's appropriate. Sort of class modifiers. Yeah. So you only have one resistance factor to write down. Yeah. I I really like that. Swords and Wizardry did that and then you can have you know different bonuses. You can give them magic items and give them a bonus to certain types of things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really fond of that. It just it just speeds things up. But I don't ever want to go back. I'm sorry, guys, to Dragon Breath, Paralyzation, Poison, Death Magic. None of that. that's too. Um, and they were grouped together in sometimes weird ways. And Rod Staff won, not a spell, but Rod Staff won. Oh, I thought that was stupid. Should just yeah. yeah, just say versus spells. Why you got to have all these delineations that don't make much sense? Heck, just save versus magic. And like you said, heck, just save. <laughs> Make a throw. Make a save right. throw. And Mudsword right now has that kind of setup where, you know, you play a dwarf, you get a bonus to anything that's, a, you know, based on your stamina or something like that. And certain spells have, you know, listed as this is a stamina attack, this is a constitution attack or whatever. So, and uh, I think that's that's a good way to do it. I think so. Yeah. I think so, but it's not core D and D. So, uh, oh look, I guess I brought it up. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, Legion <laughs> of Myth. I can't be friends with Randy anymore. A D and D one and two E are awesome saves. The I, very- take, I take it back, Max. You're right. I love one E and two E saving throws. Wow, you called Uncle fast on that. One. <laughs> I got to be friends with Max. He's coming to Cabin Con for seventeen, I think. What? We're going to get Max to Cabin Con, dude. I haven't told him that yet, but we are. You, have to, you, you might have to put him in a headlock for that to work. That's all right. He's not that far away. My sister-in-law is in Alabama. I can hunt him, I can hunt him down. Randy's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not popular. <laughs> then you're canceling both of us, the whole show. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Dang I'm, it. It's not my favorite set of saves either. No. Yeah, I knew that wouldn't be popular. Folks like that. Oh, Bruce says, uh, this is interesting. Oh, he says, CNC Siege Engine. I want to dig that game out. Dude, I I got like several books. We need to play that, Joe. Okay, bring it to Kevin Con. Have something ready. Oh, you're not DMing. I'm not DMing, but maybe that'll be my campaign I'll run at Kevin Con. Castles and Crusades open-ended campaign we talked about. Anyway. All right. What about other games? Let's get out of D&D for a bit. Just in general, when you think about, you know, I mentioned the mental and physical. What about the cypher games? Numenera. It's too, too abstract. I Joe, do and not. I, Joe and I took a little a little dip down there. Um, oh, Max. Okay, I got to answer Max. AD&D saves have soul. Whatever that means. What are you talking about, dude? It's a flavor. flavor. Well, for the same flavor. Well, have soul. It's yeah, flavor. It's so does yeah. It's yeah. I get it. They do. It's all, but all this is subjective. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. 
<laughs> um, but the cipher system, Joe and I dabbled. He ran us through. What did you run us through? Strange, the strange. The strange. Yeah. And I, and I threatened to run Numenera, and I read three fourths of it, and it's not bad. But you're right. There are three ability scores. Mental. What was it called? Your mental stat. Your mental stat. Might. Might. Um. <laughs> speed. Speed and intellect. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it got, and you burn through them. You use them as you play the game. Yeah. You spend points to do cool things. I don't know. It just, it felt, I'm with you. It almost felt like it was way not enough. And things got real samey. Right. I like, like many systems, uh, I like the lore of Uh the strange a lot more than the rules. Oh, yeah. I feel the same way about Numenera. Nine billion years in the future. Some cool stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good lore, but I don't really care for the system. It's too abstract for me. There's lots of people that like it. Yeah. Savage Worlds is pretty D&D level stats. I think they have five. Pretty stats. much. It's five stats instead of six. Um, what was it? Strength, agility, um, smarts, bigger spirit. Yeah, that was it. Basically everything but charisma. And biggest geek is Torga's the easiest. A D20 roll for all task resolution and combat with an exploding D20 and card game mechanics as well as poker chips. Oh, and going down the Savage Worlds route, huh? Interesting. I've I've looked at the Torg books. I was uh, I remember being intrigued by them years ago. Yeah. Is it, is that system still the same t-shirt? As it was, I know there's a new. Um, are they? Are they? Is it in a, a? Is it a? Um, a property that's in production, or is it just you know ga- uh, books that you have to pay a premium on because they're old? Thanks, Thurston. How I appreciate it. I just got uncancelled, so I guess you did too by default, Joe. Uncancelled. Yes, we're back in action. We're back in action. More yes. Crap. So yeah, for me, Savage I mean, Cipher System is too abstract, too too few moving parts. It's too rules light for me. But there's people that like it. Savage Worlds is close enough to the same level of uh, as D and D. It's not the same, but it's it's uh, on a um, level playing field. I think. Yeah. Um- now, the others I listed were just some randoms came to mind. I've not played enough. I can't even recall the stats in Vampire. I can't recall the stats in Palladium or Rifts. I know Max probably could. Uh, Hackmaster, uh, I noted that because didn't they have percentiles on almost every... Uh, on all the stats, but they didn't have anything to do with... Necessarily have anything to do with what your bonuses were. The percentiles uh, were advancing to the next stat. Uh, okay. So every time you game in a level, you would get a, a roll, uh, potentially get a, um, a, a like a two d ten, or some some uh, dice that you would roll that add that to the current percentile. And once it went to a hundred, you went to the next number up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you you would have even like a fifteen thirty seven, and once you got to fifty one hundred, it'd be a sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And Biggest Geekus is more or less still the same. And yes, Ulysses Spiel is reprinting, producing a new setup for it. It's added some things, but overall, it's the same. Very easy to run and play. Torg. This, this is Torg. Torg. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, I've tr- that's got that whole 
jump between worlds thing that I know Max loves. He loves like Planescape stuff. It's got that kind of planar jumping vibe. Yeah, Max's favorite is Planescape, in case yeah. anybody is wondering. Yeah, please. I would say please send him Planescape stuff for his birthday, but I don't know his birthday and Planescape stuff's very expensive. So Max will have to buy his own. <laughs> so yeah, Vampire, um, didn't they have the, I remember the old character sheet when I, I played it uh, very wow. briefly when I was in the, in the army, when I was in Germany yeah. and had the bubbles next to everything. Yeah. And uh, so I'm yeah, not sure. So many dots. I think like four or five dots, dots. is pretty strong. Yeah. You four or five dots filled in, you're a pretty strong character, but I don't remember the stats. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about many other games. We don't spend too much. I know Savage Worlds, the system itself is swingy. So I would say this, that your stat itself, you might have a stat like agility that's keyed to shooting, but once your shooting stat gets past your agility stat, you're kind of in combat. Your agility stat don't matter as much because you're doing a lot of shooting, um, depending on your game system. Uh, so stats can become the ability, the attributes can become less important as the game progresses in Savage Worlds. Yeah. Uh, but then the stats of all your skills start to come into play. So stats are still a pretty big deal in Savage Worlds. Right. And, and the way your advancement works is tied to your um, stat versus skill. You know, uh, if your skill is under your stat, yeah. it costs more or less, depending. So they matter. Yeah. Either directly or indirectly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and you know, it's funny. A lot of folks will say, I've heard people say Savage Worlds is a rules light game. It's not a rules light game. It's probably moderate. It's moderate. It's not heavy. D&D's classic D&D or any version of D&D is, is heavier than, well, yeah. I, yeah, but I, on the scale, on the scale, I don't know if you would still consider even D&D rules heavy because most of it is D20 add mods. Um, even third edition, which had a lot of crunchy bits. Yeah, it had a lot of crunch, but it still I mean, wasn't I wouldn't that call many. It, rules weren't convoluted or complicated. Depending. You know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I would I would consider, if you had a scale of 1 to 10, I'd put third edition about a 6 or a 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's definitely ones that are way higher. Oh, yeah. But would you? Ah, yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know in my mind if I can think. Oh, Mortensen at Randy Aliens had four stats, strength, will, empathy, and agility. Yeah. Pretty, pretty light on stats. That I know it was pretty nice, and you get so many points to distribute. Yeah, not bad. Uh, did you have some star you wanted to go back and look at, Joe? Comments? Uh, or did you yeah, have more? So that, does that end our... Yeah, I didn't mean to be so abrupt. I, I don't know where else I would go with this. Um, stats are important. I think, for me, I don't want a game where I have to worry about every single stat under the sun all the time. But I do like games where I've got some options and can use the stats to make the characters a little more unique. Well, we talked a lot about how they do matter. Yeah. But I also alluded to the fact that we might talk about how much they should matter. Oh, but there's a good discussion. Should is um, more a preference. So yeah. with D&D, &D, you're stuck with the way it is, right? Right. So just like any game. Yeah. You pick a game, and if, if you like the way the game plays out, uh, including how the stats work, yeah. then you're fine. But if you're so, so you'd, if you're someone who, I don't know anybody who would really be this way, but if, if you're 
someone who doesn't want your stats to matter probably shouldn't be playing D&D. Probably should be playing more story games. Probably. I mean, even Vampire has a lot of stats. Yeah. Even if they're not your physical attributes or your mental attributes, if you're going to have stats. Yeah. And you're going to have things that are number based. So if, but if you don't, let's say, let's make it more specific to attributes to your Mm -hmm. ability, to your character's um, ability scores, Mm -hmm. like strength and dex and that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know too many games that don't have that at all. I don't know any games I can think of off the top of my head that don't have that at all. Dread. Dread doesn't. Well, dread is that the? Um, that's the horror game where you where you tell you write a little paragraph. You. That's answer. not really an RPG, though, is it? It's technically an RPG. It's just more of a story game. It's very that, it's very abstract. Its only mechanic is the Jenga tower. Right. So, so I guess stuff like that. As a chance for failure, you pull from the Jenga tower. Um, what other games have very very few? What stats? about Amber? Amber Diceless. I've not looked at that in years. I would guess there's not too many stats. I'm just saying because it's a story game, it may not have stats. Dude, how about Cypher? Bruce put it up. Yeah. What about Cypher? Cypher, you describe, I am a uh, gladiator that does this and has this ability. I mean. But you do have stats. Yeah, but they're very low. You wouldn't have to worry about too much. Right. What are we, what are we trying to say here? If, if stats, if you didn't want to worry about stats at all, yeah, then you're out. You're almost getting out of RPGs, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Diceless don't a diceless game. I'll call it an RPG because you are role playing and it is a game, but it feels like story time. Yeah, yeah. Rippers had um, Powderpuff Nerd. Rippers had stats because that was uh, Savage, Savage Worlds, right? So they definitely had stats. But we did a lot of RP. Uh, yes, Thurston Howell the Fourth. No dice. <laughs> Boo! I agree. Yeah. Dungeon World very limited stats. You have some though. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, stats have to matter to some degree for it to be a true but, game. I think. Yeah, you'd think. And uh, so they probably should matter some. They um, and in the current age of gaming, they matter quite a bit. Oh, Legion hit it. That's the one I was thinking of. Fate. Yeah. They have they use dice, but you have your aspects and your uh oh statement of your yeah. character. Yeah. I'm a detective who hunts very abstract. Werewolves, hunts werewolves but has trouble with alcohol. Right. right. You have these aspects, yeah. And you have your playbook. Yeah, I agree. Is that fate? Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. What is? Have playbook. playbook is Dungeon World, and okay. Fate is. We played uh, Dresden that one time when Jeff. Right, was, right. Yeah, we had that weird. Uh, Darth hit it. Even if stats have very little effect on the game, they do still help to define your character for sure. Right. Oh no! Listen, 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 listen. Oh. Westbound. I don't think I've heard of that one. Never. It has stats and everything, but uses a poker deck instead of dice. Yeah. I've seen a poker deck. There's a way to roll your stats in third edition D and still have that from a dragon magazine. You draw from poker deck, not unlike the original Deadlands. You would play out so you would draw a hand of poker or more than that. Percentile dice for the win from Thurston Howell. 
uh, Role Master games like that, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So Powderbuff Nerd. Oh yeah, I remember mostly story. This is in reference to Rippers. Oh. Uh, and my character flashing her boobies, boobies <laughs> at the werewolves. They were mer- I think they were male well werewolves, so they were stunned for a round. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Are we are we ready to move on? Let us move into So we're going to move on to the starred comments from oh. T-shirt and oh, historian. Yes. Don't forget those. Way oh, where did they go? Where There's a star. There's a there star. They there they are. There they are. So T-shirt and historian had a couple of comments about spellcasters in oh, um, third edition. And probably applies to Pathfinder as well. Because Geekus, this is probably an unpopular take, but I think metamagic is BS. Uh, you get power to do amazing things with your spells, but because of how they work, you have to be at least at least fourth level to really make use of them. Well, I'm not opposed to that because, no. I, in my opinion, the metamagic should um, require uh, the, the caster to be of sufficient power. Yeah. But so why would you bother getting meta magic until then? But you can get meta magic right out the gate. That's true. Right. It's 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 uh, a very weird. It's very weird how they had it. You get empowered. You know. You get. Uh, you could. You could literally pick in third edition. Even you could pick uh, maximize spell at first level, and it costs the spell causes the slot three levels higher. You can't even use a dang thing. Right. But I, we were toying around with that with um, mud sword as like spell secrets. I like the idea of a wizard gaining access to some of those meta magic feats, but more like a, either a talent or maybe something they can unlock during play where the DM could gift them with a great secret from the spell book. Joe and I toyed with that in Mud Sword. I kind of like that idea. So he might be the only wizard, well, the only one he knows of that can still a spell, cast a spell without moving his hands. And maybe not all his spells, maybe just lower ones. We also played around with spells having variable effects within it yeah. in the description of the spell. So I, so I like metamagic as a concept, but I think it was uh, poorly delivered in third edition. Yeah, it ended up... Oh, Larry Elliott's back. Sweet. Hey. Yeah, uh, Patrick made a good point about metamagic. It's interesting. Um, I like metamagic and arcana unearthed. Each time you... Take a meta magic feat. You got a number of uses per day. No spell level adjustment. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. That makes it useful out the gate. Uh, yeah, probably a little too good at the lower levels, but not horrendously so. Yeah, I would say um, with the uses per day um, variation, you would have a um, level requirement before you could do the meta magic. Yeah, like you don't want a first level wizard quickening a spell three times in mm-hmm. a magic missile. Bam, bam, I mean. You would only get one or two spells, and then you'd be done. Yeah, for the whole day. And you could go Nova, not unlike a Scion. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's move along to our next bit here. Um, length of play session and scheduling is what you have. This was just a one random question. Not like a- one random question. How long do your sessions last, and what is your play preferred? Oh, no. What is your preferred play schedule? Right. Um, So uh, I'll go first. Go ahead. Because I'm the boss today. Right. Um, They last until we can't play no more. That's preferred. 
Okay. But that's not the way they, that's not the way it works out. It usually works. Well, it kind of does four yeah. or five hours in. Most people are like, I'm done. Yeah. And, uh, all that because it's usually we don't start till like seven and most of us old folks we conk over at eight the boss would show up early on saturdays then i have to play. work quit what's more important to you joe then you pay my uh post office salary oh can't money it's always comes down to money with you <laughs> i do have bills i do have bills <laughs> you do got I like to, to eat I like to eat every once in a while <laughs> And then uh, play schedule preferred. I'd love to play every week and love to play uh, every week, at least eight hours, but <laughs> life doesn't, doesn't let, let that happen. Not I really. think I would like the opportunity to play that eight hours. I would love to play every Saturday starting at noon and quit when we get tired. That's what I would like. I have a second here. That means it's law. Yep. Joe's way is the way. Metro Demo says I prefer Joe's yeah. preferred. <laughs> powder puff randy buy me a new horse while you're at it what the heck i'm paying joe's salary might as well just buy you a cup oh, i'll buy you a whole ranch sounds good <laughs> you you have the extra spare cash just laying around sure. just in my dne books i got them all hidden in there under the floorboards yeah all over the place all over the place it's money randy's house is just full oh of yes and bruce offered us seats at his every other sunday night game Oh, I want to play that, Bruce, on Gilded. I told you I didn't think I could because, well, I got one game, and it's just, oh, that sounds like fun, though. We should do it. And like I told him, I try to leave Sundays open for the with my I wife. Know. I like spending time with her. A bottle of ranch. <laughs> Patrick, bottle of ranch, yes. That's what Powder Puff is. Yeah, Yeah, that's about what you'd be able to give her a bottle <laughs> of ranch. Little toy horses about this big. But yeah. you get a lot of them. Yeah. Tell anybody I'd love to. Man, that'd be fun. Read that schedule, Joe. Every other weekend, 7 p.m. to oh, what is it? 7 p. to what's oh 300? Is that <laughs> no? There's no way I'd be able to do that. 3 a.m. No <laughs> way. No way. <laughs> oh my god! It get past really... midnight and I'd be. I'd be asleep. Oh, what's, what's Darth saying? I'm having a hard time just getting people that would want to play every week, much less more than four. Yeah, dude. Are those... Start saying, oh, man. Dude, I don't... That sucks, Darth. I feel you, man. That sucks. I would like... Yeah, my preferred schedule would be that. Our, our actual schedule that we do have is at best every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we play usually 7 p.m. to 11-ish. That's about the best we can do. Unless so, yeah. the Saturday that we play is um, um, my weekend off. Then we can, then we can play much earlier. Yeah. And then we can get more playing. So Bruce is serious. He plays starting Saturday to Sunday early. And wow, dude. Yeah. I, I Even if I wanted to, if I made it to, I'd make it to 11 or 12. No way I'd make it past midnight. Plus the way we would play would be online. And oh. it would be online, and uh, no, that wouldn't work out. God, Bruce was inviting us to his house. Oh, sure. Saturday. Sure. Skip on down to Texas, right? Are we going to go helicopter there every day, every every, every other Sunday? If I'm buying, if I'm buying private jet and paying for you to have a job, I guess I can pay for us helicopter trips every other Saturday. I want live, sweet live D&D. Um, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so Darth is jonesing for six to eight. I think Joe's Joe's schedule weekly for six to eight hours would 
or really it'd be to me it'd be Saturday play as long as you can. Make that your forty hours a week. Yeah, dude. Forty hours a week. I don't know how that would work. Why couldn't we all? Why couldn't we all of us is on this stream? Why couldn't we all just be independently wealthy? Well, what we, this is what we could do. We could all play every week with somebody in the group. We get a group together, these guys, and they would be fabulous. So th this is what we would do. We would have an, uh, an actual play with a rotating the cast of characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, considering you and I, it would only need you and I. <laughs> really? But we would allow other people in just be, you know because we're 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 nice guys like that. <laughs> and then then it, it would go gangbusters. We would get um, uh, it would be bigger than any other actual play out there, only because we did it. Right, actual play. I don't know, dude. Oh, look at Thurston Howe. Saturday night and onward till dawn. Whoa. Whew. Trust fund gamers. <laughs> yeah, that's what we would have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I like to be. I was. The longest game I can remember playing, and I think Joe was part of this. Remember, we went out to my Aunt Peg's on her farm, and we really didn't get started till 9 o'clock at night, and we played till noon the next day. I've When we were young, we did stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we were young in high school. It's like, I can't, but we were like, and dude, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and we we're like into it. And I, can't, I can't be on this computer yelling at my, my, I can't be in here yelling at my computer at 3 in the morning with my wife down the hallway trying to sleep, she'll kill me. Truth is, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. And I could, no, no. I could do it once. Yeah. And then I'd be done. There's no way. And I'd have a good chance of doing it if it was face-to-face. -face. So if Bruce comes up here to Michigan and DMs us every other week, that'd be great. He can come stay in my spare bedroom and run us. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I guess that answers. So ideal session length and scheduled play. Yeah, that's kind of... That's kind of it. So ideally, unless people disagree, we're going to just say the ideal way to play is weekly for eight hours. Yes. Minimum. We have a quorum. It is now set in stone law. Bruce says, in 2014, I hosted a game. He hosted a game starting Saturday at noon. The storms rolled in San Antonio, and I told everybody they were allowed to stay here. I had plenty of room in my old townhouse apartment. Yeah. Right. Are we ready to move on? Yeah, last topic for today. Is it all that it's cracked up to be, wherein we revisit games, books, comics, movies, TV shows, all the geeky stuff from the past? Yeah, this is going to be a new segment where we look back, and we're going to try, and I want to do this sporadically so that we've actually done it. Now, I would like for it to oh, be us. What? We played 18 hours that weekend. <laughs> How could they be salty? It was 18 hours of DMing. Get over themselves. Right. They should be happy. They probably got a lot of experience. Gained a level yeah. at least that day. Yeah, probably a couple levels that day. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this new segment is going to be periodic. Ideally, it would be one where me and Joe both have got to experience it. I'm going to give him a, after this podcast over, Joe's going to get an assignment. Because we're going to allow it to be uh, not just games, but movies, geek movies and geek books, TV shows, mechanics even, that we get a chance to tr truly revisit of old. So maybe pull out a, you know, an old Marvel superheroes and play phase rip and give our opinion on that. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk a lot about that. Um, so and we're going to give it kind of um, 
uh, a review of like it, love it, or leave it. We we have used to have a segment on that, and we're going to kind of kind of modify this. And what I'm bringing up is something I have talked a little bit about, but Talisman Second Edition. It wasn't last week; it was the week before. So about about two weeks ago, I pulled out the board game, which I was really excited to take to CavinCon, which is in the future. And I played this with some friends, uh, four others. Uh, Martinson was there and several others. One guy was a brand new guy, had never played it. No, two guys had never played it before. And someone, I think it was our buddy Greg, made the comment. We got to about the two to two and a half hour mark. And we're, man, this is starting to drag. Somebody please win. Um, and Talisman is kind of a Monopoly type board game. And, and as you just move around a board, you collect gear, your character does, you get enough treasure, you get the magical Talisman, you go try to get to the center realm and defeat the bad guys there and rule the kingdom through the crown of command. Um, and we had a couple guys were getting built up very heavy. I think Greg's was, and he got smacked down before he ever got to the center, had a, had a bad thing. My guy was getting decent and got turned into a frog. That was all fun. That was all fun. But around the two and a half hour mark, I'm like, Oh, it hit me finally. This is why I don't play it very much. Cause it can take forever. So you haven't played. I'm still bringing it to cabin con, but I think you're going to see it, Joe. But I don't know. Joe was a little more, had a little more stamina than I did. I like Talisman, and I might be able to last longer than two hours. But we played three. We played a little three. Well, before the complaining starts, right? Right. So um, it probably depends on the environment, what's going on, how much time you've allotted, and, and if you're into two hours and it doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon, and your uh, allotted time for the game isn't much longer than that, I can mm-hmm. see why you're like, oh, this has got to end soon. But um, uh, oh, I get that. Martinson said he made it to the center. Just barely, though, right, dude? You didn't get very far because we were tired and said we had it. Yeah, Martinson Yeah, Martinson and Greg both got the cheese ball characters. I don't know if you remember. There's two, the Prophetess. Oh, yeah. Right. They're minorly cheese. They have some really good powers. And nobody knows Martinson as well as we do, but he's a very defensive player. So he liked to hide around the edges and just collect things and build himself up. He wasn't much into encountering other characters, which is fine. I mean, it was a smart way to play. But uh, truth of the matter is the dice rule all. And uh, the good characters got a big benefit. They drew the mage who was giving free spells to good characters that landed there. And after playing this game again, the new guy, who was a big board game fan, Ben, you know Ben from Ben. He was like, yeah, this game is pretty swingy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can go from, you know, roses and fl- roses and cookies to, you know, poop real quick. <laughs> right. You get turned into a frog. Don't you lose all your stuff, too? You can't. I did. I, I completely lost. Yeah, I, I gambled on purpose. I wanted to make it exciting. But, yeah, it wasn't that exciting. I got I got frog bill. There's a few effects that can cause you to lose all your stuff. Your character goes back to square one. And, yeah. It's but that, for about like two to two and a half hours, Joe, it was it brought back a lot of the memories. I enjoyed my turn. I enjoyed watching everyone else have turns. Um, I slowly got to see the old cards that I remembered and had forgotten about. So that was fun. Um, I, I think if we'd have played more, I think Martinson would have won. He was the closest he to get to the center. I think he was pretty much ready, though I was a little worried if he got too much of a strength fight, he might get in trouble. But he had some sweet spells, so it probably would have been his victory. But I just wasn't um, – oh, look what Bruce said. 
Oh. I'm not playing Talisman more than an hour. We could have played Twilight Imperium for a turn instead of... (laughs) A turn? A turn for an hour? Oh. Oh. No, thanks. Oh, Mr. Larry played too. He said it was fun. He was getting his butt kicked. Oh, great story. Um, You know, you should get a D6 to move. And I gave Ben, the new guy, D6. Well, I thought I did. It was a D3. One to three. He played for an hour with that. (laughs) And we finally looked. He goes, dude, are you sure? I totally screwed him. Didn't mean to. I gave him a D3. So for half the game, he was just nothing. But poor Larry couldn't get a break. Um, It can be a lot of fun. But like a lot of the more involved board games, it can take a while to resolve. And if you're not ready for that, yeah, well, then you're, you're, you may not have a good time at the end of a couple hours. You're like, we're not anywhere near done. After an hour or so, people have got to get focused on playing their, getting their turn through. Uh, Patrick makes a good comment at 914. If you can, if you can click on Patrick's uh, demos. He says, um, or you could be Jeff. In the first turn, meet the devil and lose a life. Second turn, meet a dragon and lose a life. Then the next three turns as a frog before getting killed. Yeah, that's that's part of the game. You, yeah. you, have, to, you have to accept the randomness of it. Um, your skill is not going to win the day in Talisman. There's oh, only, no. There's only so much skill. You play to your strength. And like I said, Martinson made a good, good strategy moving around, trying to um, – uh, you know, uh, gather stuff without combating people too much. Um, yeah, I was playing an evil character. You can have certain characters that can start out evil. Me and Mr. Larry both were evil. So Did you randomly draw? Yes, we did a random draw. If I had to do it again, I would take the sprite and then prophetess out. But <laughs> not exactly. Um, those that like strategy games may not like Talisman because it's really not that. Well, you can have a strategy, strategy, but the dice can just ruin your strategy. You can yeah, have, really yeah, I'm doing good, doing good, do good, frog. Well, or like like Patrick said, you could roll a dragon the very first encounter, and you will get you're going to die. So, yeah. And I did have I had all the second edition expansions, though we didn't use the dungeon. I didn't have the city. I had the city from third edition, which still works, and I had the dungeon expansion, but we did not use either. But I did use the extra cards and characters. So um, Patrick says, "Play Prophecy. It's talisman with more control." Huh? Okay. Prophecy is made by whom and can be bought where? Hmm. Yeah. I have talisman. I have a. I have a. One, I don't think I have any expansions, but I do have Talisman on my shelf back there. We have the second edition with the black and gold box. Black and gold. Yes. To me, that's the best. But that's because it's, you know, tickles the old um, remember wins. Yes, Thurston Howell. Dice don't care about your strategy. They do not. And not in, um, not in, uh, not in Talisman. But to me, I'm a big fan of random games. So if I were going to rate it, even after playing it recently, I like it. I'm still bringing it to Cabin Con. We're still going to play it. Still going to get my buddy Eric into a game starting at midnight, playing till five in the morning, including Joe. So it'll be fun. <laughs> Z Man Games. Prophecy. Oh, really? So that rings a bell, but I don't know anything from it. Is that connected to Room War or the whole uh, Descent genre of games, Patrick? Um, is that what you're talking about? Was it was it the talisman version of Rune War or Descent or something? That's a different sort of game, but yeah, I would say I like it. Um, I like Talisman, yeah. but it's a uh, um, 
you got to be ready for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. No, Pat says, no, it's not a rune war. Club. All right. So we're going to try to do this periodically. Like I said, I want to give uh, Joe a, an, a, not an assignment. I'm going to ask him if he'd be willing to watch a couple of, I've watched a couple of movies, uh, 80s movies, and I'm going to bounce off him if he want to watch one and let's give his opinion after we watch it again. One that we watched way back in the day. So I might already have an opinion about it. You might. So we'll talk about it after, but ah, offline. Offline, we shall not divulge the secrets yet. So, anything else, brother? I feel like we're uh, inching toward that end here. I think we are. Yeah. Um, I can say, let's see, is there anything interesting else that we want to look at in the chat? If anybody has a question or a comment, now's your time to lay it down. Oh, Shadow and Sun. Shadow of Brimstone is like that, too. 45 minutes to set up, three hours to play. Gosh, that setup time annoys me. Man, I hate games that take 45 minutes, an hour to set up. It's just so... Ugh. I guess because I'm just not a board gamer. You know, I like them when they're quick. I I like certain types of board games. Quick play. I like quick play ones. <laughs> I don't hate them all. I just hate the ones that everybody talks about uh, the most. Like Sword and the Sorcerer was not a good movie. Well, one of the movies, T-shirt, I know for sure he will be willing to watch or have an opinion on. So I know that for sure. Most of the swords and sorcery films from the 80s were were not good. But Joe will be watching some of them. So some of them are fun to watch, but Mm -hmm. most of them are not good. Oh, all but right. that's, you know, all that is um, subjective uh, yeah. stuff. So, yeah, true. Oh, there's Cal. Was he lurking? Or hey, he, just he probably was lurking. He was probably lurking. He was. Lurker. Uh-oh. 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 It's all caps. All caps. You take that back. Sword and Sorcerer was gold. No. Yeah. I mean, who was the star? Who was the star? The blonde dude. <laughs> Sword and the Sorcerer? No, he was not blonde. Wasn't the blonde dude? No. Okay. Oh, King of Tokyo. That's my new favorite game. That's fun. Oh, Legion of Myth. I agree with Joe for once. <laughs> Don't get used to it, Joe. Max usually agrees with me. Yes, Lee Horsley. Good old Lee. Has he done anything since then? And that TV show he was a private detective in with that convertible right. thing from back in the day. Nobody knows who Lee Horsley is these days because he was not a good actor. He was horrible. Oh, come on, Joe. He was the prince of sword and sorcery. I know. Even I don't remember him. <laughs> uh, Bruce posted something for us in Gildan. <laughs> uh, all right. Testy. T-shirt. I, I, I rankled. Dude, I rankled T-shirt. With, now, that's his, that's his area of expertise. He's got the D&D skills, but he knows about movies now. Oh, <laughs> uh, We know somebody else who would really disagree with me, too. <laughs> Who's that? Jason. Uh, oh, at Nerds? Yeah. RPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason, he, now he's a movie buff. I don't know if T-Shirt listens to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. That would be a, you might want to check that out. Jason. Uh, he's a big movie buff. He likes all kinds of movies. He gives lots of allowance for the crappy movies of the 80s. But yeah, Lee Horsley, according to Thurston Howell IV, the poor man's Tom Selleck. Yes. Oh, Tom Selleck's awesome. Oh, Hawk the Slayer viewing in Discord? I'd be down for that. I'd only make five minutes. 
Joe, you will take a notebook and we will discuss it. And it's literary skill. It's literary significance in great detail. Okay, crawl. Okay. While it wasn't the best movie ever, it had some uh, good actors in it, as opposed to all these other movies that have been mentioned. Um, you like Conan? Tell me, huh? you, like, you liked Arnold? Well, Conan? It had some great, some great scenes, some good acting. I mean, not no. Arnold Schwarzenegger, but other people had some good lines and good. I mean, the, Schwarzenegger had good lines. He had some. He wasn't a good actor at that point. No, he had not come into his own. Uh, Beastmaster was fun, but not good. There was a Beastmaster too. Of course, there was. Oh my! But that was some straight up cheese. I think there was a. Wasn't there a um, sword and sorcerer too that went straight to video kind of thing? Yeah. Well, Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk was good. Had good I actors in it. The music was the best, right, Patrick? Oh. Lady Hawk was awesome. <laughs> yeah, they could. They could. I think you could. Redo the synth music from Lady Hawk with something better. Oh, leave it. it. No. And that movie would jump up a, a one status level easily. Yeah. Of course, and I think a lot of it is I think we're spoiled because we have the greatest fantasy film ever. Yeah, but uh, I didn't really care for them back in the day, even. Careful. I watched, I've watched several of them several times to try to like them, and it just didn't. Didn't didn't work. You're so demanding, Joe. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> my taste isn't everybody else's. It's We're okay. friends with this dude for forty years. <laughs> I don't want this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure who this is directed at, Patrick. You take that back, you sob. <laughs> All caps. Some on a bench in ice hole. <laughs> What's that from? That's from that uh, Keaton movie. Where's the gangster? Johnny Dangerously. Fargan Ice Hole. (laughs) Johnny Dangerously. Johnny, that's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, we should watch that one again. Cal, nobody said I had taste. (laughs) He can taste things. I can taste things, but. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. I think it's a good time to call it, huh? Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. It's been really fun. Thanks, man. No, <laughs> that's got to be a lie. That's oh, got to be a lie. Word. I think Bruce is yanking my chain. <laughs> he not, I thought so. <laughs> no. Uh, All right. Well, if there's nothing else, if you'd like yeah. to support our show, uh, please visit the many places you can find us online where we exist. Um, our website, www.biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter, Facebook, all the socials that you can think of, and some that you haven't. Yep. Um, I'm gilded. I've used that once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. Um, yeah, uh, we'll have a link to our gilded uh, server. We are also on Discord. All of that will be provided um, in the description. Uh, also, our link to um, uh, our our uh, Streamlabs uh, uh, tip account. If you would like to give us a tip and not don't take wooden nickels because we don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on, of course, on YouTube. That's where we're at right now. And our email, if you have any suggestions, questions, um, parting shots, um, uh, criticisms, anything else, well, you can uh, send us an email at thegeeks at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. 
criticisms to this guy? Praises? Yes, you put put my name in uh, all caps in the subject, and I will read it post haste. Say Randy is awesome, and that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, you can please share this with your friends if you haven't already, and um, uh, let them know that you like us because you're here talking to us, so you must like us a little bit. A little bit. Don't 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 assume too much. And there's a few people that showed up tonight that I'm not I'm not sure that I saw before, like Thurston yeah. Howell. Thurston Howell, thank you for joining us. Um, and a couple other ones. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah. Um, and uh, please subscribe, like, share, and rate us at all the places that you find us. Yes, sir. Anything else? Nada. Nada for me either. This is Joe. And I'm Randy. And remember... If you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. Mm-hmm.